0: Welcome to another episode of the Victory Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is a ministry of Victory Baptist Church in Valdosta, Georgia. To learn more about our ministry and the impact it has had in our community for over 50 years, visit VictoryBaptistValdosta.com. Now let's listen as Pastor Ward brings today's message from God's Word. I'm reminded of the Great Commission, it said to do this, it said to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. It seemed like that, you know, independent Baptists, fundamental Baptists, we're pretty, we do pretty well At the matter of evangelism, we send missionaries around the world. We send buses up and down the highway. We pass out gospel tracts. We try to win souls. We try to baptize them. But then when it comes to the last thing, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, we fall pretty short. We really do. I wish that uh, in my ministry, if I had it all to do over again, and we don't, I don't think i get 45 more years at this. At least I hope I don't. And, um, but uh, I would, uh, I, if, I had, if I could go back, one of the things, and I, I challenge young preachers with this all the time, make sure that there's some teaching in your ministry. Preaching has its place, but teaching does as well. And I've never considered myself to be a, a, a great teacher. I'd love to be. And I've taught many subjects over the years. I've taught in school. I've taught here and there and everywhere. I've taught in a Bible college. And, and, but, um, but I really feel like these studies, so take them to heart. I know when we come in here on Wednesday night, we're a little tired and exhausted. I am. And, uh, but we really need um, the young people. And uh, now I'm not just talking about the junior age kids and the teenagers, but I'm talking about young adults, young couples, young families. We need to, we need to get a hold of this uh, before it's eternally too late. To make our choice, are we going to follow after God and his word? Or are we going to follow after humanism and the world? You know, wh- which way are we going to go? And uh, the reality of it is that we're still losing, not Victory Baptist Church, thank God. And I appreciate all those who work with our young people through the course of the years, whether it be in Sunday school, in school, or wherever it might be, in the classroom, coaching, whatever the, whatever it might be, working with these boys and girls because the, the uh, statistics show that across the board in America, and I've mentioned this before, but it's worth mentioning, again right here, that we're losing 80% of our young people that they're walking away from church when they turn 18 to 21 years old. 80%. I don't know how long we can survive at that. And you see it in, in just about every aspect of ministry. It's rare that you hear of a young man surrendering to be a preacher, going off to Bible college, maybe become an evangelist. It's a rare situation. When I was coming along, it was uh, quite uh, regular that somebody was being called to preach. Somebody's being called to preach. Very rare. And, uh, and in that, we see that, that ministries are suffering. Uh, we've been hire- trying to hire someone in our Christian school, in the upper learning center. We've been trying to hire somebody for almost five years, over four years now. Almost four years we've been trying to hire but people aren't going into to ministry fields. They're not going into the ministry fields. It scares me. I don't know what would happen if something were to happen to Sister Tammy, Brother Daniel, Sister Sherry, Shelly, and some of these. I don't know how you replace people like that who are willing to do it uh, at wholesale prices, at wholesale value or cost, I guess. Uh, revenue, income, because they love the ministry and they love the boys and girls. Bible colleges aren't producing. I've, uh, I've had uh, feelers out in, in every college, every Christian college from, from California all the way to South Carolina and northward and uh, with, with little to no response. You know why? Because we are not teaching our young people that it might be you that God wants to put in the ministry. No, we're, we're pushing them to higher pay, to higher things, and I understand that. I, I really understand that. I, I, I've never seen the ministry as a sacrifice as far as that is concerned. The Lord's always taken care of the Ward family. When, uh, when I was making little to nothing and paying the church bills myself, And I was in Lakeland as to, as to, to the place that I am tonight, where we're more than comfortable. I've never thought of it except that there's an opportunity to serve him while we're in this world. Now, I said all that to say this, that we're not, that we're, we're, we're not giving our young people, our children at church, in our homes, in our Sunday school classes, uh, we're not, we're not. We're not, in the, we're not training them, first of all, to follow him. That's become a secondary, a secondary issue in our homes. You know, go get your education, go get you a good job, go do all these things, and you can be a great tither and give a lot of money to the work of the Lord. And that, that's good. There's not anything wrong with that. But I think at first, they should be introduced to the will of God for their lives, and, and then their pursuit uh, needs to be, first of all, the will of God for their lives. And the only way that you can do it is to look at this world through this book. And so it is important that we develop a biblical view of the world. Now, I've covered in the last few weeks, and I don't have time to go into review tonight. But I, have very, I just have a few notes tonight. I'm on slow down. I went too fast. I covered... I looked at it. I covered 2,700 years last week on Wednesday night. 2,700 years in 32 minutes, I think. Yeah. the 2,700 years of philosophy and tradition and, and uh, humanism and all of those kind of things, and we carried you through the three stages of this humanistic uh, uh, revival in, in the world, not just in America, but in the world. And it's more prevalent tonight than it ever has been. This whole world, the part of the world that you and I know, is wholly given to humanistic views and humanistic responses And uh, rather than, than thinking about, well, I do what I do because that's what the Bible says to do. That's not really part of our vocabulary anymore. We do it because it feels good. And it works good. And everybody else is doing it. That's, that's kind of the uh, primitive view that we're taking that, that everybody, you know, everybody's going this way, so we got to go the way everybody else is going. So that's my preface for uh, these, these thoughts that I'm trying to share with you. And uh, some of it's academic stuff, some of it's some traditional stuff, and some of it's some Bible stuff. But I think all of it is relevant. We closed last week with these two thoughts. And we were in Romans chapter number 12. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. We took those two words, the word conformed and the word transformed. We defined it. We explained it. We gave examples of it. And what it means to be conformed by a culture, as we're being today, conformed by culture. Culture. Or being conformed transformed by training. That's, that's our little motto for this. Uh, our little breakout thought is either being conformed by the culture or we're being transformed by training. I, 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 want, I wanted to stay with my alliteration and all those kind of things. and uh, But it is, a, I, could, I could have said being transformed by teaching because that's the word the Bible uses. But the word disciple, In the Old Testament, it is one that is trained, one that is trained. And so uh, we are being transformed by our training or either we're being conformed by our culture. Which way are we going? I'm sad to say tonight that the world for the most part has chosen the wrong side, the wrong way. In my lifetime, I've seen huge, I started to say great, Huge changes in the culture that you and I live in. And when I was a boy, some of the things were ki- that were kind of taboo or out there, they're just commonplace tonight. They're just commonplace. And uh, when I was a boy, I mean, even on the, on the television shows, like uh, Dick Van Dyke and, and, and those kind of shows on television, uh, he and his wife, they, they, they had twin beds in their bedroom. I mean, one had a bed and the other one had a bed. Now, I don't recommend that for married, you know. Anyway, but back then, that's the way the culture was. And, and the first curse words it just, had just come out uh, on television al- along that time, maybe a little bit. It was usually in the movies. It wasn't on, on, um, on network television. You didn't hear curse words and you didn't, you, didn't, you didn't see the things that are, are symbolized in this day and hour, our culture has changed so dramatically. Are you going to be conformed by it? Are you going to allow your children to be conformed by the culture they're living in? I was, I was talking with a lady today, and, uh, and she, was, she, she has a, a young daughter, and uh, something had happened at, at their school and it, and she was just she was just she was just uh, distraught by it. She said, "I can't believe that that something like that would happen to my seven year six seven year old daughter. I can't believe that that they would be introduced to these kinds of things at such an early age. That's the society we're living in, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, mom and dad. You better wake up." You better know what your children are being taught when they're away from home. Hello? Pick up the phone. You can come down here and look at our curriculum anytime you want to. Matter of fact, we'd encourage you to come look at the curriculum. And, um, uh, but I would make I would make sure because there is a, and, and, and here's what I was about to say, and I'll give you the two or three points when we, we'll be ready to pray tonight. This didn't. This didn't. It didn't happen in my lifetime. It didn't. It didn't start when TVs went from black and white to color TVs, and I was living when that happened. I've lived through 11, 12 presidents now. I guess I'm on my twelfth president. That's one third of all the presidents that have ever been president of the United States of America. What are we on? Forty-six or forty-seven, something like that. And uh, and uh, but you know it's it. We've seen some major changes uh, in the 60s, in the 50s, and in the 60s after World War II. Major changes in our society. But nothing like we've seen since the 80s and the 90s and um, into 2000 and the teens and now into the 21st century. Things like we've never seen before. Never seen before. Culture. Shaping. But it didn't start then. It started 700 years before Jesus was born. I gave you all that history of this humanistic, this secular humanism as you see it in, in, um, uh, in, in the academic world. And it's right here in our neighborhood. Culture is changing so rapidly. And so that was kind of where we were. I want to give you a couple of things tonight. And so... We're keeping the back of your mind now. We're either being conformed to the culture or being transformed by teaching and training and discipleship. And that's why it's so important for your child to be in Sunday school. And, and it's even important for the bus kids to be in Sunday school. A lot of, uh, some of the only Bible teaching they get is when they're in your Sunday school class teacher. So make sure that, you know, that uh, you're taking advantage of that time, and and that you're using that time to to some kind of in some way counteract what they're getting from the world. It's the only hope they have. Just a little bit of Jesus goes a long ways. It goes a long ways. Give them Jesus. Just give them. And so somebody asked me, and and I, I don't think this was a, a. There are no dumb questions, no no dumb questions, unless you get into politics. There's plenty of them there. There's no dumb questions in church, and but somebody asked me, what 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 do you mean by world view? What do you mean by world view? And so I took up I took a minute to uh, write down the definition. A little bit of an explanation for it. Uh, It's actually a world and life view. It's not just viewing the world, but it's viewing life in the world. And I can say this, that everybody has one. You may have never heard it. It, You may have first heard it right here in this pulpit. I've been hearing it for decades because I've been in in education all my life. just, Just... for about that many years, uh, I, I've been in education. And so it's something that I hear on a regular basis. This matter of a worldview and some of the things that we've been talking about. And some of these notes are from notes that I, I, I was gathering 30 years ago and have never used them. But everybody has one if you're of age. You've got, you've got a perception of what this world is and uh, you've got a connection to this world. You, you've got you've got the, the influence of this world. You've got your reactions in this world, and uh, you are 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 being molded by this world. Whether you you're molded by the music, you're molded. Is that is that? Cr- I, I guess that's correct. But uh, the the music is is molding your life, and and. Uh, the circumstances are and uh, the the entertainment world is and the sports world they are and it goes on and on and on and on and on and anything that is outside of the realm of the scripture is probably taking you and taking me further away from him. In the Old Testament, they called it idolatry, and it's so easy. You don't have to have little statues and and um, uh, in your home, and and uh, you you don't have to erect uh, some kind of little statue and and, um, and 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 bow down and fall down before it to be. To be an idol worshiper. So we all have a worldview. Defined. It is, here's the definition of it: a comprehensive set of claims of truth. And there's what we're going to get to tonight. A comprehensive set of claims of truth that define reality. Truth and reality. And so there's where we begin to develop. Uh, what we believe and what we understand and and, and, the place, and the place that we are in this world. And I'm, I don't want to confuse myself because I'm sure if I confuse myself, I'll certainly confuse you. But it is a, a complete or comprehensive set uh, of claims of what truth is. And we'll get to the scripture in a moment. And so it becomes this. It is a person's outlook of life it is a person's estimation of life, it is our interpretation of life, it is our belief about life, it is our living of life. All of those things, those five components that I just gave you, those are the things that determine where we are in this matter of am I, am, I, am I looking at the world through the lens of secular humanism or am I looking at it through the lens of spiritual truth? And that's the defining point. That's the dividing line between the two. The decisions that I make, do I, go to the, do I go to God in prayer and counsel? Or I just kind of react by, you know, just by the seat of my pants, you know, just go, well, you know, that's the way we do it in our culture. And in many things, it's probably not that, uh, it's not that injurious to us. I mean, it, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to pray about or go to the, go to the, go to the scripture or come to the pastor for counsel to decide whether you're going to buy a new Ford or a new Chevrolet. By the way, Ford is the only one that's mentioned in the scripture. Chevrolet is not in the scripture, but Ford is. The key components of this this matter of truth and reality, you see, this the humanistic view. They they have, and, I, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but I'm almost done. They they have this a term of um, uh, relativity. The, everything is relative. Just because it's truth to me, doesn't necessarily mean that it's truth to my neighbor. And just because it's reality to me doesn't mean that it's reality to my neighbor. They may look at me when I get up on on Sunday morning and put on my Sunday best and get in the truck and and come to church and spend my day at my Sunday. Uh, They they may look at me and say, man, that's a good day to do your yard work and you can catch up on all your chores and you can sleep late and do all those kind of things. But I do it because I know what the reality is and i know what the truth is here's some key components now these are going to sound trivial but it begins with this uh, here's, here's the, the the things that we need to that we need to understand about what we're trying to define what we're trying to comprehend what we're trying to, what we're claiming as truth and reality and it all begins with this and this is this is the second dividing line does god exist think about that you said well of course he does but i mean think about it for a minute i mean really think about does god exist does he exist and and then um, the the uh, the philosophy and and the theo- not necessarily theology but um, the the, the thesis of it, the next thing that goes on is if God does exist, uh, how many are there? How many gods are there? Yeah, you you and I believe that. But if you lived in India tonight, you would be be in a culture that believes that there's at least 100,000 gods. At least 100,000. And so, whether you're monotheistic or, or polytheistic or whatever you believe, or there's one or two or three or ten, it, it makes, it, it is the dividing line, it is the, the deciding factor in how I begin to form or transform my mind and my life to be obedient to this book. You know why people have a difficult time following the Lord? You, you know why people have a difficult time being faithful to church outside of sickness and work and all those kind of things? I mean, people just have a hard time getting up going to church. You know, you know why people have a hard time tithing and giving to worldwide missions and passing out tracts and sharing the gospel? You know why we, You know why we struggle with all these basic things? We're not sure that he really exists as this book records. As long as, you know, as long as we kind of make our own way and make our own decisions, and that's good for some people, but that ain't for me. As long as we have the mindset that what I'm doing is perfectly okay, the way I'm doing it is okay, because that's the way I've been taught. That's the culture that I live in. And living in that culture... I can just about do anything that I want to do. Does God exist? If so, how many? Who is God? Or what is God? There there, there are people, there's millions if not billions of people in the world tonight that feel the same way about some inanimate object That they've made a statue or or, uh, some, some, uh, the list just goes on and on and on and on. It's an endless list of things, whether it be an item or an object. They feel the same way about that that you feel about the God of heaven. Fourth or fifth question, it's something like this. Who are we? And uh, how did we get here? Uh, and, and, And you say, well, you know, why does that make any difference? Why does it make any difference if there is a God? And how did we get here? I believe that everything, that everything that we believe is based upon that God is the creator of the heaven and earth and he made me. There's no way, there's no way that, that the humanistic idea of evolution and the biblical idea of, of create, divine creation, there's no way you can reconcile those two. There's no way at all. I don't care if you're Baptist or Methodist or Episcopalian or whatever you might be, there's no way that you can, that you can believe in the God of forever and the God as creator and then believe that man came from a monkey or some lower life, some other form of life. And yet there's, there's people, there's preachers that believe that, there's pastors that believe that. I've talked to them, I've talked to them, and they, because of culture that we live in, and that, you know, you've, you've, you've got to accept certain things... That's why in some circles, it's all right to drink alcohol. In some circles, it's perfectly all right for you to go home and, and drink your little toddy before you go to bed tonight because culture has taught us that. That's the humanistic way of doing what we call living the Christian life. And so all of these things are, are part of it. But there's no, there's no way, 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 there's no way that Genesis, if Genesis 1-1 isn't right and accurate and true, then we have no hope. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Matter of fact, all these things, let me give you these other two or three very quickly, and I'll make a couple of closing statements. Why are we here? Where are we going? Uh, does God communicate with man? If so, how does he communicate? Is there such a thing as prayer? Can we, re- can we, can we uh, hear the voice of God from his written word? All these questions are answered in this book. Every one of them. Matter of fact, they're all answered in the first five books of the Bible. Every one of these, these things that I just, I, seven, eight, or nine of them, I don't even know how many they are. Matter of fact, I got those—the ones that I just called out. There, I didn't get them out of some some uh, book about the Bible. I got them out of it was a a book written by a secular humanist. These things—he was a psychologist, I guess. Matter of fact, they're all to narrow it down. They're not just in the five books of the Bible. You'll find them in Genesis 3.15 when it talks about the promised seed. That answers it all. The promised seed. Matter of fact, if you want to be more specific about it, it's not just in the first five books of the Bible. It's not just in Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 15. It's in Genesis chapter 1 and in verse number 1. And you're going to have a struggle if you don't believe that. I don't care what you've been taught. It doesn't matter what you've been trained. It doesn't matter how you've been schooled. God created the heaven and the earth or he didn't. And if that's a lie, then who knows about John? How can we trust John 3.16? How can we trust it? If we cannot believe that, how can we believe any of the Scripture? And so, it's explained and defined about truth in in our text tonight. I'll read the text and we'll be done. I've got a little further I could go, but no, I won't won't go any further. In, uh, In John chapter number 18 and verse number 36, this is Jesus before Pilate. Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight? that I should not be delivered unto the, uh, to the Jews, but now is my kingdom not from, then, uh, from hence. Look at verse number 37. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. But listen, to this end was I born. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world. And look at this next phrase. That I should bear witness unto the truth. Truth. That I should bear witness unto the truth. 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 (laughs) Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. So now, he goes on in in, uh, the next verse. Pilate saith unto him, what a question. What is truth? Now, we've made the full circle tonight. We, this comprehensive claims about truth and reality. And we have been bombarded. I mean, we have been flooded in the last 20 years, I'll say. In the last five years, I'll say, we have been bombarded With all kinds of things that are not reality, and they are not the truth. Not the truth. I'm not going. I'm not going to open up any cans of worms tonight. But uh. But men can't have babies. Doesn't matter who says who says they can. Don't have babies. But there are people that will, that will swear on uh, before, before Congress and, and, and people that have been placed in high positions that, that whatever they say is taken as truth. When in reality, it's just a lie. It's just a lie. Our, our culture, sadly, has... Uh, w- we've taken on... We've taken on a, a new culture in America where the truth is not of value, it's not important. Hey, I remember this, I know it's 8 o'clock, it's time to pray. I remember several years ago, back in, uh, when uh, Mitt Romney was running for president of the United States of America. And uh, one of the senators from Arizona, I remember seeing the senator stand before the podium in the, in the, uh, in the house, and he said these words, and it went all across the news networks about Mitt Romney. He was doing pretty good until this point. And he said, Mitt Romney has never paid any taxes in his lifetime. And that went all over the place. Of course, he, Mitt uh, Romney, he lost the election. Listen, two years later, I was just happened to be watching a television interview and it was this same senator. He's 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 not living now. It was less than two years. Maybe eighteen months later they were doing an interview on television and that 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 phrase came up that he had never paid any taxes and they asked him about it. He said it with a little smirk on his face like politicians have. He said, Well it worked, didn't it? He said, I knew it wasn't true. But it Just lies being thrown around. Politicians just throwing lies out because all, if it gets ten seconds on all the networks, it's seen by millions of people, and that's all. And then the word spreads in the neighborhoods, and they say, you know, if if these if these these uh, conservatives if they if they get elected, they're going to take away your Social Security, and they know that's not true. But it works, it works. And we've come to the place in our society, in our culture, where it just doesn't matter about the truth anymore. Let's stand for prayer, I could go on and on. Father, we thank you for the day, we thank you for your blessings, Lord, I pray that you might transform us through your word. The metaphors, metamorphosis of your word transforming us into a new creature not yielded to the world, not guided by the world but bought and paid for by our wonderful Savior. We're not our own. We're bought with a prize. Lord, help us to glorify you in this body. In Jesus' name. While these are praying, we invite you to.